Hi and welcome to The Courageous Mama. I hope you've had a lovely bank holiday. It was a bit drizzly and rainy here. In fact, it went from a beautiful sunny Sunday to an incredibly windy, horrible, wet Monday. Nonetheless, it was a rest. Well, we found ourselves on the Sunday ridiculously high up a climbing wall, a fabulous antidote to the intense studying that's going on around here at the moment. I'm not quite as competitive as the four of our children who came with us and tore up the wall like tigers, but I gave it a whirl. How is your weekend and how are you doing? If you want to be empowered, equipped and encouraged as a parent, you've come to the right place. And this week in particular, if your children are feeling the stress of upcoming tests or exams. I've had great fun chatting with the ebullient author, Tim Benton. These days he mostly works with corporations and I found him fresh from a morning of pitch coaching with a large German blue chip company. But a smaller, almost recreational hobbyist side of his business is coaching students through the gruelling business of study, which he did for many years. If your children are small, don't switch off just yet. Here's a great opportunity to learn some revision tricks. Children have got a school career of tests and exams ahead of them, no matter what way you look at it. So learning great ways to keep them stimulated and understanding the neurology to explain why it helps will enable you to be ahead of the game. And if your children are coming up for the A-levels, GCSEs or entrance exams, you'll also be glad of this podcast because tis the season. And this year, what a tricky season. Schools vary in the way their teachers are using tests and coursework this year to assess evidence of students' work to submit the recommended grades to the exam boards. But one thing's for sure, there have been and will be tests, tests, tests. So I went to chat with Tim and find out some creative strategies for studying. Even though his exams were years ago, he is so inspiring. I basically built a career out of going, it's too late for me, save yourselves. I've got one going through A-levels at the moment and he attended one of Tim's sessions during his GCSEs a few years ago where he learned a myriad of tips which he still uses. I asked Tim to chat through stresses, strategies and systems. How to combat the stress of exams, how we as parents can help with that, what strategies to put in place for the study times and what revision systems to use to spice up the experience. Tim's a blast. You literally ask him a question and he spills over with creative ideas. He, like so many of you, has had a massive life change during COVID. He's gone from visiting clients by planes, trains and automobiles to sharing the homeschool load. What funny times. I started by asking him how lockdown has been for him. Like everybody else, I've been dealing with the trauma of homeschooling yes. with my five-year-old, which has been a deep joy. I think I've come out of it with something the equivalent of post-traumatic stress disorder, I think, as a result of that. But we survived it, and he's now back at school, and I'm very glad that things have started to open up again. Brilliant. And you, what did you say to me earlier, that you get... Fat or thin? Oh, you, you become a hunk of chunk or a drunk. <laughs> Which one have you done? Um, I, I tried drunk, um, but my wife pulled me away from that. So I've, I've actually lost a bit of weight, I think, in lockdown. Well done, you. Yeah. you're in a minority group, doesn't Well, uh, yeah, I've been quite active going for walks and hiking up to Cleve Hill and back uh, most days. So that's been sorting me out a little bit. Oh, yeah, and, me too. And chasing the kids around. At Campton Hill. Brilliant. Mm. Makes a difference, doesn't it? Oh, massive. I'm, it clears my head. I love yeah. it. Yeah. You're looking very well. Thank you. I'm trying. So 
You do millions of things, Tim. You do corporate and you also do this kind of revision and study side. Today, that's where I'm catching you. For those parents out there who've got kids in school and are worrying firstly about how they're going to do and then we're actually just going to really dial in to those kids who are doing GCSEs, A-levels, entrance exams, any form of intensity, how we can just break down some of the stress and give them some encouragement to get where they need to go. How does that sound? It sounds good. It sounds good. I've had a very busy working day. I've been working with uh, corporate business with some Germans. I've been doing a lot of intensive coaching. My brain is marginally sideways, but I'll try and be as coherent as possible. I'm going for muscle memory here then. Yes, exactly. Well, I've been doing this for a long time because this was... Uh, historically, the main part, part of my, my business, I would go into schools, I would do the revision skills, motivation, stuff like that. And you relate out. to that age group, don't you? You love that kind of thing. I do, I do. Most people sort of struggle with teenagers and go, oh, I'm fine when they're little kids, but when they get teenagers, they're really difficult. And actually, I find teenagers really good. Maybe it's because I never grew up myself, but I kind of <laughs> I find that, that mentality, they're, they're, they're just good fun a lot of the time. Yeah. I mean, I cut to a few, stage. 10 years' time when I've got teenagers of my own, it'll be a different story. But, um, well, I'll come back. <laughs> exactly. I hate teenagers. But at the moment, yeah, no, that's been sort of you know, probably 20 years of my career is working with teenagers pretty much since I was one myself. I think they're great. They've got passion. Yeah. They might be misplaced sometimes, but they've always got passion. Yeah. Let's launch into that word catch up. So I know a lot of teachers are using it at the moment and a lot of parents are going, ah, does that mean I'm massively behind? What would you say to parents who are looking at that? Do you know, it's a strange one. People talk a lot about lost learning over the last couple of years. I'm not convinced there is any lost learning. There's been a hiatus. Kids have had to self-motivate to some extent, to a lesser or greater extent. It's not about catching up. They are where they are. And I think sooner or later it will all come out in the wash. Nobody's going to eventually look back at this time and go, oh, I didn't learn that in those six months of school and it's forever lost. There is no lost learning, they've just learnt other stuff. There's a whole demographic who've been through this trauma and this challenge. And even though this experience has been suboptimal in pretty much every way, I think there will be some real wins out of it. And they will have discovered stuff, they will have continued to learn, they'll have become resourceful. There would have been things that have come out of it that will replace what they would have learned in school. Nobody's going to get to sort of 45 and go, oh, I just feel so stunted in my life because I missed three months of school in, <laughs> in the pandemic. I missed forces and pressure in physics. Exactly. I didn't cover simultaneous equations. My life is not complete. <laughs> and bearing in mind that is the odd person who is going to have to prove themselves on simultaneous equations. <laughs> we are going to talk about the stresses, the strategies and the systems of getting through this season if you've got any form of proving yourself, whether that's exams, whether that's coursework, whatever your school is choosing to put you through. So let's start with stresses, that kind of self-belief area. How do you prepare them for going into this season? Well, I think the more, as parents, we can reduce the stress and take the stress out of it, the better. Neurologically, not that I understand a lot about this, but my understanding is that there's a part of your brain called the amygdala, which when you are placed in a stressful situation, starts to flare up and hijacks your brain. So imagine that you are a caveman or woman and you're wandering across the, uh, the undergrowth and suddenly out jumps a saber-toothed tiger. Your brain is going to do one of three things. It's either going to freeze, which is good because otherwise you're stood there going, oh, saber-toothed tiger, oh, red berries, they're poisonous. If I can get one in its mouth, it'll be dead before it gets to me and I'll be caveman victorious, which won't work. It'll just get them eaten quicker still. So freezing is one thing. Flight, run away quickly as possible. Ah. Or, or um, 
or uh, fight. Fight. Yes, that's the other one. Pick up an axe, pick up a spear, get stuck in. So freeze, fight, flight. There is another one, flocking, which is if you ever watch those David Attenborough documentaries where the lion's there and the wildebeest all come along and, and the music builds up and Attenborough's there again. And the lion is attacking the wildebeest. And they're all running along as a big herd. And there's one that's limping at the back. And you just know that that's the one that's going to get it. And cute and seen and the lion is gnawing on this poor wildebeest that was picked off at the back. That's the flocking. They run as a herd. So it's survival of the fittest. Because those behaviours will be replicated in a stressful situation. So the freeze is if you haven't done enough revision, and we all remember this from school, you, you haven't done enough work, you go into the exam, you're reading the paper, and you're going, I've got a flipping clue, what the heck's this about? I don't know, I don't know. You write any old rubbish, you come out, your brain clears, and you go, oh, it's a simultaneous equation. And at that point, because your brain's working again, your neocortex, the thinking part of your brain, is able to access. The fog clears, you're able to think clearly. So that's the freeze. The flight, I remember this incredibly clearly from my GCSEs, which I did back in 1888. And I remember really clearly, you know, every time I thought about revision, I got a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach and I just went, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I completely buried my head in the sand. And that pile of stuff that I didn't know seemed so enormous, it massively stressed me out. And the pile of stuff that I did know <laughs> seemed pretty minuscule in comparison. And I remember putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and burying my head in the sand. And eventually one day I just went, oh, I've got to start. And I started chipping away at that massive pile of stuff I didn't know. And sure enough, that started to come down. The pile of stuff I did know started to come up. And I remember to this day, you know, 30 odd years later or whatever it is, I remember thinking, I wish I'd started sooner. Because that, that flight mentality, the running away from the problem, just meant I didn't tackle it. And it, the hardest thing a lot of the time with revision is actually just doing the work in the first mm, place. Mm, just getting started. Yeah, and the fight, of course, is, is you know, they, they get more aggressive than usual, don't they? So you go up with a nice cup of tea in your hand, in a saucer, and you knock on the door and you say, hello, darling, I brought you a cup of tea. I thought it might help you work. And they look back at you with nothing but loathing in their eyes and go, oh, for the love of God, get And you're just going, what, what? And you're just trying to help, but they just get really aggressive. I remember being in this school locally years ago. I had this 16-year-old in front of me in a GCSE session. I said, what happens to you when you get stressed? He goes, I go out in Cheltenham and I start random fights. <laughs> Brilliant. There you go. And flocking, of course, you know, when it comes to year 11 lads, that's just basically they all get together and act like pillocks. The pillocks. Okay. So, fr flight, fr fight, flight. Freeze, flock. There you go. <laughs> that's the behaviours. Yeah, it, so it is going to manifest in some way. It is, and, and it could manifest in more than one, yes, isn't it? So I think so. What would you suggest for tackling that? Well, I think it's just making yourself available mm. so that you're there to support in whatever way. And to start mm. with, you know, can I test you on this? No. But after a while, that no might start to become a yes. And I think it's just making yourself available so that you're there to support them and test them where you can. Mm. And, and yeah. acknowledging how big it feels to them. I think so, yeah, as well. It is that, isn't it? It's going, look, I can see that this is difficult. I completely understand it. At the end of the day, we love you and support you, whatever happens. And what would help you along your way? <laughs> I asked Charlie that the other day. I said, what would help you in this season? And he said, I think a large kit of Lego. And I said, <laughs> I'm sort of leaning more towards a KFC, really, but... <laughs> but that, then that's another problem as well, isn't it? Because it's the distractions. When I work with young people, one of the, the major things that I come up against when I'm kind of digging into why kids might not be achieving as well as they could be, it's invariably two things. They've not had enough sleep, would be the first one. And then when you dig into that, well, why have you not had enough sleep? Usually there's technology that's at the heart of that. Mm, mm. 
So they will distract themselves a lot of the time to try and take away the stress. Mm. But often what they distract themselves with just pushes them further behind and increases the stress levels, ironically. But what we can do now as parents is we can boundary the phones. Mm. Yes. And we can ask them how we can come alongside and support them without kind of pressing their buttons the whole time. I think managing that digital distraction, I think, is a really massive thing. I think that's the number one issue when I work with young people is that they get distracted. It might be digital, could be mates. Sometimes it's they're just overcommitted, whether it's sports or drama or whatever it might be. They've just got too much going on. Uh, sometimes they're completely overwhelmed by the amount of material that they need to learn. I think A-level GCSE is exactly the same thing. There's so much to learn and they just go, ah, it's too much. So I guess one big strategy is organising what they are going to tackle when. You know, back in the day, we used to do the revision timetable, didn't we? And we spent about three weeks making it with gel pens, <laughs> yes. convincing ourselves that we were actually revising. It was right? as good as done. Exactly. I've done it. I've built my revision timetable. Job done. Oh, it's my first exam. And, you know, all that time preparing it, but no actual time to revise. But you're doing that thing because you're going, yes, I feel like I'm working. But even if it's something as simple as on these days, I do these subjects. Or you do a big chart with all the things that you need to learn, and as you look at one of them, you just tick something off and you date when you last looked at it. It can be a really, really good way of, of picking through it if you don't do the conventional revision planner, which is great if you stick to it, but nine times out of ten, people don't stick to their revision planner. They go, Monday, yeah, I've done, I was supposed to do three hours, I've done two and a half, yay, well done me. Tuesday, EastEnders is particularly exciting and you can't concentrate the rest of the evening. Wednesday is football practice, Thursday's mum's birthday, and Friday your mate turns up and goes, come out to play. And you go, oh, I shouldn't have gone revised, but you go anyway. And by Saturday, you've fallen so far behind, you get demoralised. So it's fine if you can stick to it, but if you can't, another strategy would be better on that. And do you find with the kids that you help and support that they'll fall into two categories? You've got the one that loves the timetable, but yes. then you've got your in your mo the moment person, haven't you? Yes. Do you think they need a different strategy? Well, I think you do. And actually, I think if it's, if it's not too un-PC to say this, I think there's a gender split on that as well. I think girls, because at particularly GCSE age, are deeply diligent in the main, predominantly more so than boys. They will happily do the revision planner. They'll also do that thing where they make notes and then they underline everything in multiple colours and then they make it pretty. And you look at their revision notes and you go, oh my word, this is a work of art. And they spend hours on it. But again, it's false revision. They're spending all that time creating these beautiful revision notes rather than actually getting into the business of learning. Mm, that was me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then you get the lads, hands up here, who just go, oh, I'll look at it a bit and I'll wing it. And, and of course, that's not great either. So on one end, you've got the completely over-diligent. And on the other end, you've got the I'm winging it thing. And there's also the thing that actually what people tend to do a lot of the time is they revise in a way that is completely inefficient. So the thing that everybody does is they go, I read my notes, I copy my notes out, I read what I've copied. And, and actually, that's, that will get you there, but it's a really long way round of getting there because cognitively, just by, I really did, I copy it out. Cognitively, there's not a lot of stress on you at that point. Your brain isn't having to work too hard. And because your brain's not being stretched, the chances are you're not particularly learning. You're sort of in tick over, which is why, you know, the kids can be sat there, you know, they're doing their revision, so to say. Music's on the background. They've got Netflix on in the corner. They're playing the Xbox and chatting to their mates on, on, on their phone. And, and they're going, yeah, I can concentrate. And it's probably because what they're trying to do revision-wise is not demanding that much of them. So in terms of strategy, again, it's about stuff that stretches them and makes them think will be the things that will have the most 
results. Which brings us neatly onto systems, of oh. which you have many, don't you? So if that doesn't work, what does work? What does stretch the brain? It's stuff that makes them think. So here's one which is a great strategy. And basically you revise something, a topic, whatever, and you get a piece of paper, you write A to Z down the margin. And then you try and write something for each letter of the alphabet that's meaningful. Oh, I like that. Yeah, so say you're doing courses of the First World War, you know, A is for Albania, whatever that might be, and B is for Balkans and all that sort of stuff. We all know W is for war, so we don't write that down because that's bleeding obvious. So we write down stuff that's sort of meaningful for each letter of the alphabet. So the challenge is, can you fill the alphabet up with something meaningful for each letter? Keyword and then something about it. The second part of that is having created that, because you've had to think that little bit harder, oh, I can't think of anything for C, oh, conquest of Africa, there we go, I'll write that down. Because you've had to think about it a little bit harder, the chances are you'll remember that a little bit later on. You get the recall. Yeah, but then the real win is, you sit down with mum, dad, sister, whoever else, and you go, okay, this is why I wrote A for Albania, this is why I wrote B for Balkans, and that's process of speaking it out. It's double bubble. By writing it and speaking it, it's pushing it further in their head. Oh, I like that. I think I'll do a bit of that with Johnny. Even though he's not coming up for an exam. That's a good one. That's it's good it's one. that whole thing, you know, a lot of the time we read it, we write it out, we reread what we wrote down. Can you see it? Can you hear it? Can you say it? Can you do it? And if you're using all four of those tools, I think, as your system, see it, hear it, say it, do it, then actually you're smashing it in from a variety of different angles. I get to see it, I get to hear it, I get to say it. What's do it? Do it. Well, that would be something like a strategy. So that A to Z thing, for example, oh, that's a strategy. Okay, right. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or it could be something like, you know, uh, you walk your way through it. Say you're doing a timeline. Uh, so it starts in 1914, it goes up to, I don't know, 1933, whatever it might be. You write some key stuff on bits of paper, stick it along the floor, and then you walk your way through it. And that's doing it. Muscle memory, again, you're walking through that process. Tim is so charismatic, he's virtually walked the room as he's explained that. So the volume's going up and down, because you're getting further and further up the centre. Dear listeners, I apologise. <laughs> so brilliant, that's another strategy. What yeah. about the drawing? I mean, Charlie ended up, after he'd had a session with you, with drawings that I can't bear to throw away. I saw them in the loft the Do other you know, day. I still dine out on those. Instagram. In my sessions, I've got photographs of Charlie's pictures, and I show them as examples of what they're you can do. They are they? like a work of art. You did one on, I think it was the, the blood flow around the heart. There was another one on the brain. I remember, I could see it on the different lobes. He did a whole thing, I think, on the rise up to the First World War. And there was another thing about economics, I think. He had four of these things that were just amazing. They were big, like A1 sheets, weren't they? They got him through. He's on A's now. A bit more pressing. But it's that whole thing. You create that thing. You put it up on the wall. And I think that's a big thing as well. You know, a lot of time what kids do is they create stuff. They did their notes, put them in a ring binder, and they hide them somewhere. The more they can get it up on the wall, the better, because again, they're seeing it, and then that's the point where you stop in the corridor and you go, right, tell me about the frontal lobe. Oh yeah, that's about blah, 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 blah. And the speaking it at, again, see it, hear it, speak it, you know, all that stuff. And that's where you as a parent can get involved. I think it is, yeah. But talk us through those pictures more. You've probably come across mind maps before now. Yeah, well you've got your central idea in the middle and then the different coloured branches coming off. And then... What you do is you draw something to represent alongside the words what each of those branches mean. Without the pictures, it just becomes a spider diagram. That's less effective, but the pictures are the thing that makes a difference. So having created your mind map, you put it on one side, get a blank bit of paper. Can you recreate it from memory? No, you can't, not completely. So you put the original side by side and your brain fills in the gaps. Then when you've got it, you put it up on the wall. And again, it's that same thing as you're walking around, you're seeing it. Brilliant. 
And then what about those memory things that just have to go in, like how many jewels in a what or dates? Have you got yeah. a strategy for that kind of thing? Uh, well, two, two thoughts. It's seeing it regularly. So uh, there was one lad in a school in Chesterfield. What did he do? He was sticking stuff up on the wall on post-it notes above his bed. So it was the last thing he saw at night and it was the first thing he saw in the morning. Of course, up look, after a couple of days, whatever was on that card got smacked into his head. There was a lad at Marling School over in Stroud who embedded on his on the lock screen of his iPhone the cosine rule. Oh, so every time he pressed the home button, he saw the cosine rule there, and then went, as it works, he went, well, test me. And of course, sure enough, he knew it. So it's sticking it in places where you see it regularly, I think is important. And then the dear old perennial flashcard is a bit of a winner, really, where yeah. here's the key stuff on one side of the card, and on the other side, you've got your Q&A, and you can just get, get test yourself or get someone else to test you. Podcasts are quite good as well. I know there's a pay app called GCSE Pod and you put in your subjects and your boards and it curates for you streamable podcasts on the material that you need to learn. Oh, wow. I think Bite Size does something similar now as right. well. So it's that whole thing. They're walking around with their earbuds in yeah. and they're just listening to a bit of revision or they create a playlist. Here's a couple of banging tracks and, <laughs> as I believe the youth say, and... Uh, about 10 years ago, and, uh, and, and then here's a bit of revision. So yeah. that sort of scouts pace between his music, his revision, his music, his revision. Great. Just helps. And that's great for the audible learner. Well, it is. I mean, I always remember, though, I remember doing Mice and Men at school and having to read the book. Is Mice of Mice and Men? Yeah. Is that the one where he shoots him in the end? Yes. Don't give the plot away. No, 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 Done a bad thing, George. Who was Steinbeck. Who, who, yeah, but who killed who? Lenny and George. George so Lenny... Is, is the one who gets shot. George is his right. mate. So I remember having to read the book. It took hours when I was at school. And I remember this kid said to me, he said, yeah, I've downloaded the audio book. He said, I've listened to it three times now on the bus into school. He said, I know it really well. It's those simple Brilliant. hacks. And, oh, you can do that now. It's the hacks. I mean, that's the wonder of technology, yeah. isn't it? It's made things possible, which when, when we were there, it wasn't quite available to us. I mean, no. we had the tape recorder and you'd put your cassette in. <gasps> Do you remember? You'd press play and record. Mm. Yeah. And, and then, then you'd, you'd speak into sleep. it. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd, you'd try and play it in your sleep and hope it would work. And of course it didn't. But there was that theory, wasn't yeah, there? Yeah, it didn't work. No. But uh, yeah, absolutely. It's and the doing same it to tunes, thing. that's the other thing. Getting chunks of writing and doing it to tunes. See, I was a very... I'm, gregarious I think was the word that was levied in my direction as, as a teenager <laughs> I don't know, I don't know why like disruptive <laughs> yes yes we always know he's in the middle of it somewhere but we can't pin it on him yeah. I think it was the general feeling but I remember I did I did a level history which I loved and we did the Tudors and Stuarts which was great because it was all blood guts and bonking monarchs and, and we had to do the wives of Henry VIII and uh, and of course you did the usual divorce beheaded died divorce beheaded survived and in a slightly precocious moment uh, I remember making up a song to the tune of the Adams family. Do you remember that? The old black and white suit. And they used to do that at six o'clock on a on the Adams family's at six o'clock on BBC Two. Back in the day. Back in the day when we used to watch Terrestrial and you have to be there at six. So I just watched Neighbours and then you turn over to BBC Two and there was the Adams family. So I made up this song. Now bearing in mind I did my A levels in nineteen ninety. Here we go. Sing on. Diddle do it. Diddle diddy. Diddle diddy, diddle diddy, diddle diddy. He's chunky and he's grumpy. 
He likes his rumpy pumpy. His wives are all quite jumpy. His hair nearly the eighth. Bear with me, Madeline. Okay, Bear with me. I'm Catherine of Aragon was the first uh, divorce. His second wife was forced to have a head removed, and that was Anne Boleyn. Jane Seymour was his third. I don't know if you've heard. She died by giving birth, and that made Henry sad. Diddly dee, boo hoo. Gets worse. Uh, Anne <laughs> Cleve, she was a minger, so Henry promptly binned her and married Catherine Howard, and then chopped off her head. Last verse, you'd be pleased to know. The luckiest by far was sixth wife Catherine Parr. She outlived dear old Henry. It's a big finish. He died of syphilis. <laughs> syphilis. So I'm there in my A level with my pen in my hand going. Syphilis. And it all came back to me. So it's, you know. It's... Whatever works. There we go. 30 years later, it's still there. Creative strategies. Well, it Brilliant. is. And it, it is that thing, you know. And sometimes they're like that. Can I make up a little song, a little ditty, all that kind of thing to help you remember it? And it's, it's that stuff that sticks, isn't it? Mm. And the other thing with recording is we do things like. Um, great strings of Latin vocabulary <laughs> and he just pl- plays them every morning because yeah. I think it's very boring to go off and learn them yeah. so just play it every day don't yeah. even think about learning it by the end of a few weeks yeah. they're in and just, in fact drip. they'll never come out like your song well that's it it is it's those drip, things drip, you drip. learn it's like when you go Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall and you may not have done it for donkey's years but it's still it's there it. yeah I've got great chunks of Shakespeare in my head I can still remember there were 19 metres million cubed of soil eroded from the slopes of Nepal <laughs> due to deforestation in 1989 because of tourism. There you go, geography A-level. Let me give you another one. Framework, imagery, repetition, make it memorable. So firm, firm learning. Frameworks are really important, whether that's a revision planner or an A to Z or learning things as a timeline. Things that allow you to learn things in a framework type way are really good. So frameworks would be one thing. Imagery, because if you think about it, our memory is really comprised of a series of little JPEGs, isn't it? We don't remember stuff as text. But when you look at your son or daughter's books, what are they full of? Words. So the process of revision in its simplest form is taking all of those words and turning it into visual language. So that's where things like Charlie's Pictures on the Wall, Mind Maps, stuff like that, sticking the thing on your lock screen of your phone, you know, here's a diagram I need to learn, let's put that on the lock screen or on my, my desktop. That turning it to imagery is really important. So frameworks, imagery, repetition, the more they go over it, the better, but not only going over it the same way, going over it in different ways as well. So it might well be they listen to a podcast one day, another day they might just read through the notes and make a mind map, the next time they might do an A to Z, something like that. Those different camera angles on the same topic will help. So revise it many times in different ways. He's waking up now. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Memory, memorable as well. So basically we learn with the heart as well as the head. So the most common emotion with revision would be what? Boredom. Stress. That I was kind a bit of behind thing. there, wasn't I? You were. Keep, keep up. <laughs> she switched off. Uh, <laughs> you were connected. Boredom. I'm else. saying boredom. You just switched off. Boredom. Exactly. And if they're bored, they're not learning with their heart. So it doesn't matter how much cognitively you're trying to get this stuff in your head. If you're bored, it's not going to work. Okay. So that's where um, trying to engage your heart as well as your head is good. So the gamification of revision. You know the old game taboo where yeah. you have to describe something without using the taboo words. Oh, okay. Is that what you call yeah. it? I so could that, you yeah. describe photosynthesis without using, I don't know, uh, oxygen, carbon dioxide, <laughs> light. Yeah, exactly. So again, the challenge of that is cognitively you have to think about it that little bit more and it's that gamification. Or the other one is you've got a keyword on one bit of paper, on the other side of the same bit of paper, the key stuff you need to know, screw all these things up in balls, and then try and throw them into a basket. When you get one in the basket, dear mother, you pick up the, the piece of paper, show them the keyword, and they have to tell you everything that's written on the reverse side. 
So it's the gamification. Can we turn it into games? What about the movement? Some children really need movement in yep. their learning, don't yes. they? Yes. Um, I'm about to start an anecdote now that I can't remember. I think it was something to do with testing kids whilst on trampolines, and they found that they outperformed the kids who were doing it who weren't on the, yeah. the trampolines. Which brings me to another thing that actually, if they sit there trying to learn hours on end, it's the law of diminishing returns. Mm. They're probably doing quite well for about the first. 20 minutes, and then they fall off a cliff in terms of concentration. So the rest of the two hours and 40 minutes is pretty much worthless. So they're much better off, 20 minutes probably maximum, five minute break, get up, have a cup of tea, go to the loo, check your phone, and then another 20 minutes, five, 10 minute break, another 20 minutes, something like that. Breaking Actually, it up, breaking the breaks. Actually, you that in Charlie's session with you, and he did that. 25, 25. 25. Yeah. Did it work? Yeah. Oh, lovely. Yeah, and that five was such freedom, because nobody expected him to work in that time, and he could raid the fridge, and he could... Well, it's reward, and there's also evidence that, neurologically, if you reward yourself, you tend to remember what you were learning in up to 40 minutes before you took the reward. Wow. So if you do your revision, have a break, and a chalky biscuit, then <laughs> even better still, you're more likely to remember what you were learning before you took the break. So stock up on the Lego, the chocolate biscuits, the KFC. It's, just, it's all about the rewards. <laughs> it's, it's all, about, all the about the rewards. And particularly for those who are really conscientious, having that day off a week, that Sabbath yeah. principle, yeah. I think is really, really important. There's a day where I don't even think about schoolwork. Yeah. And it might be Sunday, but it might be Saturday, or it might be one of the midweeks because you've got something else on in the middle of the week or you want to have a break. So I think it's really important that they have a day off just to completely give their brain a rest. And, you know, we have put that to the test and it really, really does work to really stop, sort of let their brains rest, let their souls catch up. And then when they come back to it, they're firing on all yeah. cylinders. Yeah, yeah, because we can't just keep going with it, and particularly with the, the stress as well. We're not created to. Exactly. So that's fantastic. You've walked us through some stresses, strategies and systems. It's just go, get off the flipping Xbox and do some work is probably mm. the first thing. And put some limits around that as well. Mm. Some parameters. Ideally, it comes from them. If you can get them to make the decision themselves, Own that's it. brilliant. Yeah. But have those conversations about tech. I think respect the fact that they might learn in a different way to how you did at school. Mm. So respect that difference, support them in whatever way you can, whether that's testing them, making yourself available, allowing them to put stuff up on the walls, all that kind of thing, uh, making sure it's a nice environment for them. If they've got younger siblings, lock them in a cupboard till June, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, so support. Um, food, food for teenagers. Yeah, food, food constant food. Uh, value what the school does as well. And I think praise, effort, not results at the end of the day. That's my RSVP. Yeah. There you go. Respect, support, value and praise. Tell me about your book, Brain Box. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm very happy that? to shamelessly plug that. Yeah. Uh, I wrote it with a chap called David Hodgkinson and it is basically a self-help book for teenagers. So it covers stuff like confidence, but a lot of it is about revision skills and some of the stuff that we've talked about today. So it's how do I how do I win at life and how do I win at revisions? And it's very pictorial and yep, easy yep. accessible, it's, isn't it? It's a sort of pick up and scribbling book, really, mm. more than mm. anything else. There's a lot of stuff in there, but it's things that they can write in as well and reflect on and the sort of thing they can you know, keep it in the toilet and pick it up and read a little bit each time they go in there or just chip away at it. It's not necessarily built as a read through book, but more of a pick it up, delve in and out of. Nine ninety nine from Amazon Waterstones and all good booksellers. I'll ever hear the Adams Family theme tune in the same way again. Do grab the book. It's called The Brain Box. Follow the link in the show notes below. Your kids will love it. 
And if you enjoy the neurology and you want some strategies for tackling the screen issue, Parenting for Life has a whole chapter on it. It's packed full of how to empower your children when setting the technology boundaries, how to do it without the fights and arguments. And the feedback I've had is so rewarding. I love hearing that parents have used the tools and managed to work with their children rather than against them. And each of the strategies employed had their very own chapter too, boundaries, communication, consequences. Build a culture in your home that keeps the volume down and the connection up. You can get your copy with your discount from my website, The Courageous Mama, or from the link below. It's 25% off the Amazon price and it's a full colour, illustrated, beautiful, hard copy, coffee table style book. Stylish and life-changing. That's form and function for you, isn't it? And if you want to chat about an issue in your family life, pop me an email. I'm always happy to help or book a session with me on the link below. I'll see you next week.